0: We're really grateful for uh, the way that God has loved us and, and given us so many wonderful experiences in life with Him. And one of those are the way He designed us to have moms. I think everybody here had a mom, right? One of the things that I wanted to do in this series, we're talking about be the message, is I thought it'd be really good on Mother's Day to have maybe a mom share a little bit with you. And uh, I was thinking about who might be a good person to do that. And and it wasn't much thought for me to think about someone like Shelley McKendry. So, Shelly, if you would come and, and share. Shelley's on our staff as an adult ministry director. And um, what you need to know, that's only been for like the last two years, right? You've been in a staff position. So so for, for uh, many years, besides being a mom, you have been involved in ministry and you've taught and you've done other things like that. So would you just kind of lead us off in this message?
1: Thanks. I would love to. Thank you for having me this morning. I wanted to just share with you that um, it's a good thing that we can still be in process and I want to stand before my church and say I'm still in process and I hope that's okay with you and this be the message series has meant so much to me because it's part of the process for me and I want to tell you why so the story has to start back in the 70s when disco was king and men wore those really cool polyester suits and um, in in 1976 I was a sophomore in high school and there was a campaign in Denver called Here's Life Denver And it's my understanding it was all over the nation so there was probably one here and we were encouraged and challenged to be a part of the uh, mobilization of Christians to share the message of Christ in our city and so what we did what they asked us to do after they trained us well it was awesome was they asked us to go to an office after hours where there was a switchboard with many phones that were still connected to walls back in that day and to call from the phone book people and just ask them if they'd like to talk about Jesus. Scary. Scary. In the first service the students were all sitting right here and I could see their eyes. It's scary. But that was the way that we were encouraged to be the message and to get the word out. And so I would make, along with my, um, the rest of the people in the office at that particular location, there were many, we would make hundreds of phone calls to ask people, Would you like to talk about Jesus? What do you think about Jesus? What do you think about Christians? What do you think about Christianity? And as you can imagine, there were a variety of responses. There were people who engaged in a conversation about Jesus with me. I don't know their name. I didn't ever see their faces that was before we could see their faces on telephones I basically just was reading from a script but the Holy Spirit would certainly lead in some of those conversations and there were people that I got to pray with I just don't have a connection with them now but there were also many people who just hung up the phone or had a few choice words to say before they hung up the phone and it left me with the feeling that being the message in this way was really hard, and I wasn't sure it was really what I wanted to do. You know, I'd be a Christian this far, and I would share as I could share, but eh, calling on phones like that was not maybe what I thought I could do. Part two of the campaign was that we wore a big button, a pin-on button, and it said, I found it, with an exclamation point. And the goal was simply that you would wear that every day to school or to work or around with your family, wherever you were going, so that someone might say, what'd you find? And you'd get the opportunity to share with them about the Lord, about Jesus, about your walk with him. Okay, so I was wearing that to high school every day. (laughs) I was a sophomore. I didn't find that very many people in my high school came up to me and said, so tell me about what you found. But I do have a lasting memory of a friend, a person that I had a deep connection with who was going through a crisis. And because I was learning about how to share my faith and because I was being challenged to be the message, I got to share with her. I had some equipping to share with her. And then our youth pastor, Steve and I were, were dating then. Our youth pastor came and, and shared with her and she came to know the Lord. So for me, Here's Life Denver was worth it for one person that I knew, that I got to share with. That was awesome. But I still had that sense of this is a difficult thing for me, this this button wearing, this cold calling. This is hard for me. But over the course of the process of years that I walk with the Lord, He never gives up on me. He never stops teaching me. And He gave me, He has given me a couple of scriptures. They were They were a part of of how we modeled and wanted to model Christianity to our kids. I think it's a part of, of what uh, George and Kevin have been sharing with us about the Be the Message. So the first one is in Titus chapter 4. And in verses 2 and 5, the Apostle Paul just speaks straight up to Titus or to Timothy. And he says, I'm sorry, it was 2 Timothy chapter 4. And it says, Preach, or herald, the Word. Be ready in season and out of season. Do the work of an evangelist and fulfill your ministry. Well, that's a tall order. That's a tall order. And I can remember thinking as, as that was taught to me and as I was reading my Bible and, and it's highlighted in my Bible, I was thinking, preach the Word. I don't know how to do that. I'm not trained for that. How do I do that? But that Word means herald. Tell it. Be the message. Do it. Act it out. Live it. Preach the word. And then it says, Be ready in season and out of season. And sometimes it is so clear when it's in season. The timing is right. The, the the fruit is ripe. Yesterday I was sitting around a table with a group of women, and I am not kidding you, one woman said, So what does it mean to be born again? Talk about ripe fruit. Talk about in season. If I had missed that opportunity, I don't think I could have stood here to share it with you today. But how cool is it to be able, when it's in season, to just know God's brought everything together, and you get to be the message. But then there are other times when it appears to us to be out of season. Yeah, the timing doesn't seem right. It's a little too hard, a little too challenging, a little too uncomfortable. But God said, through Paul to Timothy, Be ready, in season and out of season. I am, after all, the God of the seasons. So don't always just count on the opportunity to appear to be right to you, but go out and make opportunities, and don't make excuses. That's how the word spoke to me. And then do the work of an evangelist. I thought, oh, no, that's a picture for me of those leisure suits and the white shoes and the big carnation and the lapel. And no, no, I don't know if I can do that. But an evangelist is simply a messenger, one who goes out to proclaim the message of the Lord through words and actions, and I can do that, and fulfill your ministry. Go all the way to the bounds of what God has called you to do. Go all the way to the edges of where he's called you to be. Don't, don't close your garage door, Shelley. Keep your garage door open in your neighborhood. Go all out, meet them all. Know them all. Share the message. As often as I give you opportunity, make opportunities as well to do that. Fulfill your ministry. I left you here on earth, Shelley, because there's still a ministry for you. If we lived our life that intentionally, it would change some things. And then then as I continued to walk and, and to have the Lord work in my life, I realized this is not just a New Testament message. This was an Old Testament message too. God always has said to his people... Be the message. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, it starts out with this proclamation to the people of God Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And then he says, These words which I am commanding you today, commissioning you today shall be on your heart be ready with them they should be that close to you at hand on your heart teach them diligently to your sons talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up and a long time ago I heard Chuck Swindoll teach on this particular verse and he said you know what you look at me and you say I'm Chuck he's Chuck Swindoll He, he can preach the word he can teach the message but you sell yourself short because you see that word doesn't just mean that the only people who could teach or talk to our families and to others are people who have been professionally trained scripted rather it just that word just means just talk converse diligently intentionally converse with your family wherever you are in your house When you're out on the way, when you're on your way like we were, uh, every day of every summer and fall and spring, on our way to a game somewhere, talk to them. Converse with them. Interact with them about faith and the message all throughout the day when you lie down and when you rise up. That changed my life. That passage goes on to talk about what we do with our hands. A sign on, on our hands and the actions that we give. The expression on our face. They wore something in between their eyes to proclaim the message. I'm thinking that's a little harder to wear than my button was. Be the message in the countenance of our face and in the work of our hands. Everything that we do. So I just wanted to, to share with you that God's had me in process learning that both things are important. There's a time when we don't know people, but we, and we don't even know they're watching but we get to be the message it's a cold call and God says be obedient do it and then there's a time when it's relational and we invest some intentionality in being the message to them both things are important I thought in Colorado okay all right good I know these people. I know my neighbors. I know our teammates. I know the kids' parents. I know the, the PTA. I know our schools. I know all this stuff. I've got good relational evangelism going on, Lord. And then he said, and now I'm going to move you to a new place, to Minnesota, where essentially life became again a cold call. And I, don't, I didn't know my neighbors. And Thank you for letting us know you and for knowing us because that's huge. But now we've been called to do something different. Same thing as as Paul told Timothy. Preach the word, live it, be the message. Fulfill your ministry. Do the work of an evangelist. Intentionally, every day, all day long, living out what you believe. God is still at work on me. And I'm guessing through this series, he's still at work in you too. It's a blessing.
0: Shelly, thank you so much. One of the things when Shelly and George and I, we kind of sat down and talked about this series and Be the Message, we know that you bring up the word evangelism or witness or share your faith and it just, you go, oh, that's not me, it's scary. And one of the things that I, as I talked to Michelle, that that passage of scripture, how you live with your kids and how you just relate and share your your life is the way that you live with people all around you. It should be a simple thing. In fact, what we often think about when we think about sharing sharing our faith, we think about it in the sense of, I need to give some words. It's all about the words, but the reality is this. We are in relationship with people and it's out of relationship we have conversations. So words happen. But they happen often in those situations where people get to know us, and, and through that process, they respond to us. And I was thinking about this. This is really kind of a neat thing. Uh, we planned this series a while back. Uh, you know, let's, let's have an, a focus outward. What does it mean for us as a community of people to be the message? What does that look like? And, and never did I know, and, and it's kind of neat for me to stand here because at one point, um, George has shared, Terry, Esau shared, and, and just hearing a little bit from Shelley here, we thought some just some different viewpoints would be good. But one of the things that I think is kind of interesting is um, how fitting it is in some ways that we're in this series at a time when a person in our congregation who was a person who lived his faith in such a vibrant way and shared his faith so vibrantly for 92 years, Pastor Paul, who passed away this last Friday, Uh, And I just think we're almost, God in his own timing knows how to honor his servants. And and this would be the very thing that he would love for us to be thinking about. What does it mean for us to be the message? If you weren't at the service on Friday, I just want to share with you that some who were not able to make it, we will actually, sometime this week, we're getting that up on the live stream so you could be a part of that as well. As we know that many people, there's some conflicts. But I wanted to share with you what Cheryl, Shelley was talking about, and that is, is, is I want to bring this to a level where every one of us can relate to it. I, I really hope that as we talk about these practical applications of, of what it means to share, as you said, you know, in, in a sense, we can always use, use the word preach. It's the word proclaim. It means speak it out. It means share about this, this faith that you have in Jesus and, and to be ready to do it and to do it intentionally. What does it mean for us to do it intentionally. And so I, I want you to think about three ways that you can be intentional when you start thinking about what does it mean? I'm a follower of Jesus and how do I then share what it means to follow Jesus with others? And there's three ways that I think are really simple everybody can do. And the first one is this, this idea that you have an intentional awareness. Attention, intentionally be aware. This idea that God has placed people around you that you have some ability to have an impact on. And then the second thing I want to talk about is be in, in, intentionally do good. Which is this idea that not only are you looking for these opportunities and the awareness of that, but then you have this opportunity to really love someone. And then the last I, I want to talk about is what I call intentional connections. How do you make connections? How do you link those who God has placed in your life up with others So that you're doing this together. So that's kind of the roadmap we're going to go here in just these few minutes that we have. So intentionally be aware. Lean into existing uh, relationships and networks is what I would say. Right now, what I want you to think about is that you can lean into some existing relationships and networks that you already have. How many have heard this before? that, um, That once you become a follower of Jesus, you no longer have a network of unbelievers. You've heard that before, this idea? And there's some truth to that, in the sense that what happens is when you are a person who maybe is one who's not following Jesus, and, and you usually have a lot of people who may be in that circle, and, and then all of a sudden you start to follow Jesus, you actually do begin to develop a whole new network of people, because you, your heart likes to go where other people's hearts are. That's a natural thing, and it's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. But the false side of that is that this idea that you no longer have any kind of network of people who don't know jesus in your life that's not true it's really interesting i was um we've been as elders can be talking about kind of what are some um, qualities that we want to have in our church and um one of the elders gave uh, shared this book with me and 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 it's just called natural church development and this guy is a, a, a german his name is christian a schwartz and he did a doctoral project, in, and you know Germans are pretty scientific, you know, they have kind of that engineering mind, and so if they're going to do research, they're going to do research. So he actually went ahead and, and found a thousand churches, both growing and not growing, healthy and not healthy, and he was trying to figure out what are some qualities you find in both growing and healthy churches. He did a survey, a, a questionnaire um, of 32 countries, 18 language groups and took in 4.2 million responses. So this is a pretty exhaustive survey. And one of the things he found, that he found very interesting, because one of the qualities that you'll find in churches that are both healthy and they're growing, is that they are people who who are the message. They're, They're people who are out there living their life in such a way that they're connecting with other people and helping them understand what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And he said this, which is very interesting, in this portion under this area, he said everyone, almost all believers, as they did this survey, have 8.5 individuals in their network, in their relational context, that don't know Jesus or are in some place of searching, seeking, or in some way maybe not in a personal faith with God. And I thought that was interesting because I'm not sure what the point five is, whether that relates to the person being short or maybe somewhat a believer or you're not sure what the person really is. I don't know. So let's get rid of the point five and work with eight. Everybody here probably has eight people within their relational network where there are people around them who don't have a personal faith and personal relationship with Jesus. We have eight people that we fairly consistently have contact with. And what I want you to think about and be the message is that being the message merely means living in those relationships intentionally aware of the opportunities to somehow be engaged with them in a way that your faith makes a difference. There are people, folks, who don't understand what it means to live with a personal God who have a relationship with Jesus where they can pray and bring before them the things going on in their life. There are people whose hearts are filled with fear. There are people around you that God may be preparing. And all he says is just be intentionally aware. There's a verse of Scripture in Acts, chapter 17, verses 26 and 27. It's when Paul is speaking at Athens. And in Athens, he gives this very kind of almost academic lesson, but at one point he says, in verse 26, from one man, Adam, God made all nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And catch this, and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. And God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any of us. It's really interesting, I think, what he's saying here. If you just to pare it down and make it a little more concrete for you, he is saying this. God has placed you right where you're at for, on, a pur- in, in pur- on purpose. In fact, if you put it this way, God put you where you are for a reason. Only you can be the message right where you're at. You might be thinking, well, I'm not Billy Graham, I'm not Beth Moore, I'm not any person. I... There's other people who could do this better than me. And God is saying, no, there isn't. You are exactly the person that I put there because you are the person that I plan to have connect with these individuals. That's kind of what Paul is saying. God wants to use you, your life, your particular gift mix, your personality... It doesn't mean you have to go and and find a button and say, I found it. It just means that you need to be in a place where you intentionally begin to say, God, I want to be aware of the fact that you put me in this neighborhood, you put me in this work context, you have put me in this fitness club, you have put me in this place, and there's probably someone around me that could really hear or use or be touched by you. So I just want to say and make it really clear, you guys, it it is not a matter of not having contact. It's pretty well scientifically been researched that we have individuals around us. Here's the question. Will you be intentional about looking and being aware? And I'll just put it this way. Take advantage of existing relationships you live in every day throughout the week. That's really what it means to be aware you know, I've got these relationships. So when I was thinking about this, I, I remember when I was working through all this stuff in my life at a younger point, and I was at a pastor of a church, and here I'm a parent, and I got all this stuff going on. And, and you think you have a harder time connecting with people who may not know Jesus. And I was at a place where um, I was trying to pray about it, what should I do? And, and it was at that time, my daughter was, um, my, my youngest was in fourth grade, and she also wanted to play hockey, because hockey goes big, Olympic hockey, and and, and I played hockey, and I'm thinking, you know, when she said that to me, yeah, girls, I don't know if girls should be playing hockey, I'm a guy, you know, that kind of thing. And my wife, who's not super athletic and did not never play hockey, looked at me and said, um, if you're not going to be their coach, I will. And I'm thinking to myself, that would be the worst thing we could do on these girls. <laughs> and I thought about it and, and prayed, and, and it, I got, it was one of the greatest decisions I made. The contact I had with a whole group of people that I hadn't had before. And then God began to impress on my heart some really cool things. He began to show me that I have a whole network of people around me just because being a parent. I began to realize that when I was was on the soccer field standing along the sideline, there were a whole bunch of parents, a whole bunch of people that God had placed within my relational network. I remember also, you know, if you you can think about it, parents, you can be in the bleachers here in the spring and and watching your kids play baseball, there's an intentional possibility of making some connection with somebody. Or you're maybe at a band concert, or you're at a play. Parents, you have opportunity, it's a matter where you be intentional with that. Just think for a second, if you were to just say, I'm going to take one click more, I'm going to lean into this one little bit more, what would it look like for you? Would it mean maybe that you stand, instead of just standing by the people you feel most comfortable with, maybe you stand with someone else for a little bit and you develop some friendship, and maybe one lean in, one little click more is just to go out to Dairy Queen with the kids and have ice cream. It's as simple as that. No one's saying when you go get ice cream, you should pull out some four laws and go through some kind of thing with them. It just means get close in relationship. Will you intentionally, says Jesus, be aware of the opportunities that are around you? And here's the greatest truth. Lean into, take advantage of the existing relationships. Would you, I may be speaking to someone, the Spirit of God may be speaking to someone right now. Would you be willing to, on a regular basis, begin to pray for a few people that are in your network? There's this other thought as I think about at work. There's this opportunity to pay attention, to gauge with someone. When someone has a celebration, what do you do to come around that? Or if they're in a time of crisis. And one of the guys in the church was sharing with me the other day that he's had some people in his work situation that have gone through some real difficulties. And as a result of that, his opportunity to share with them the fact that we had a counseling center I've had some other people who have shared with me that they have shared with some people who were going through difficult times and said, you know, we have a, a ministry called Gateway Prayer Ministry that we'd love to just come around you and pray for you. You know, we, we started that thinking we'd be praying for people who are believers, who are working through things. And guess what? In just a couple of years, we've had 11 people come to faith in Christ. You know, here's really something interesting. The lowest denominator when it comes to sharing your faith, here's something that people will seldom say no to. Have you, if you were to say to someone, you know what, I, I'll pray for you about that. Have you, can you imagine someone say, don't pray? It is the simplest way to reach out in many ways with someone when they're going through a crisis. But it won't happen unless you're intentionally engaged. In your neighborhood. Do as George mentioned. I, I've really enjoyed this opportunity to speak with George. If you enjoyed having George on staff, I'm just grateful for that. I just, we have a great staff and I just love them. And and George had mentioned last week about um, bonfires, you know, about getting a neighborhood bonfire and and bringing um, aerosol cans and, and, you know, evangelism explosion idea and things like that. Which I mentioned that in the first service, and the youth were looking at me like, cool idea. we don't mean that but about three years ago my wife and I and uh, we had decided to um, reach out to our neighbors because now we're the old ones in the neighborhood and it's transitioned and we have all these young families coming in and we, we were you know we, we think about them and we pray and we develop relationship with them and we said let's just have a backyard kind of time where we get to know one another it'd just be a way to serve our neighborhood because they're so busy and so we did that, and, and then we did it three years ago, and when George spoke about that last Sunday, my wife kind of hits me, and later in the afternoon, she said, we're having another bonfire. And I said, not without aerosol cans. Anyway, um, <laughs> intentionally be aware. Intentionally do good. Basically show love to those around you that God has placed in your relationships. It's not about rocket scientists. You know, you don't need to be really, really bright to do good. But what you need to do is be attentional. One of the things that I believe God is calling us to as a community of faith is an outward focus. It is so easy to make even church and everything about it is about what about me, what about me, what about me. And one of the books that was written not too long ago that I think hit all of America hard between the eyes, I'm talking not just people who are believers, but unbelievers as well because many of them read. I mean, I gave this book to people who weren't believers and they were... They enjoyed it, so that's significant. It's a book by Rick Warren called The Purpose-Driven Life. And all you have to do is read the first paragraph, and it's almost inspired. Because he says this very simply. His first sentence is this. It's not about you. The purpose of your life is far greater than your personal fulfillment, your peace of mind, and even your happiness which is what all of America is pursuing with everything they have. And the church is running along as well. He says it's greater than your family, your career, or even your wildest dreams and ambitions. If you want to know why you were placed on this planet, you must begin with God. You were born by his purpose and for his purpose. And those of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus the outward focused life intentionally being aware intentionally beginning to do good in those existing relationships that we have is one of our primary purposes and so you ask yourself well how do I begin to have this outward focus There's a man, his name was Dallas Willard. He wrote a number of books and in in a number of the things he wrote about. He he gave a very simple strategy, which is just a personal transformation strategy. It works for anything. And he he used the words vision, intention, and means. And he, he shortened it to just if you have vim. If you have vim in your life, you can begin to transform things because if you have a vision for what something should be. So if you want to lose weight, you kind of have an idea of what that looks like. And then you take intention, which means you could personally commit yourself to that. But it all is a failure until you move to the means, because the means are the things that you practice, they're the habits, the things you got to do daily, where you maybe exercise, you eat right, you don't eat as much, and all those means that you do as practices help you accomplish through your intention this vision. So I don't care what it is. You may be thinking, hey, I want to run and I want to get in shape. Or you may be thinking, I want to be a deeply spiritual person. I'd really, maybe your vision is, I would like to be like a Pastor Paul. And if I get 92 years, I want to be at that place in my life where I'm full of joy and life and energy. And and I have this love for people. And so you say, I would like to be like that. I'd like to be a spiritually deep person. So how do you do that? You have to intend to do it. Now you have this vision, you say, I'm going to commit myself to it. Well, that's great, but if you don't have the means and don't follow that with the practices and habits, if you don't begin to say, God, I'm going to start setting aside some time where I'm going to spend time in your word and really hear your voice and, and begin to, in and prayer isn't just about me giving you a bunch of requests, but it's taking time to hear what you're saying. And, and know this, guys, God will personally speak to you. He's given you his spirit. It's our job to begin to know and to hear when that spirit is speaking authentically to us. And that's a whole other message. And and then the practice of worship, it's not coming singing songs on Sunday. It's coming and just pouring our heart out to God and saying, God, I love you, I worship you. And then this practice of worship that's not just a Sunday morning, it's your whole life. And then and then you begin to practice this this simple habit of maybe spending some time in not just social relationships where you have some accountability with other believers who challenge you because all these means help you become that kind of person. And then to add to that, how do you become that kind of person with an outward focus? Because that's part of what this is about in our spiritual life well there's things you can do there's a means there's a practice that you can do which is means you'll be intentionally aware looking for relationships and intentionally doing good one of the greatest practices is to say god every day as you pray for someone and it's not that it has to be for this person every day god i'm going to intentionally seek to do something good i'm going to lean into one of these relationships in a way that that just is encouraging it's not weird but, you know, let me share with you this, too. Sometimes God calls you to stretch in faith. I love what George said a few weeks ago. We live so comfortably. We're so afraid to step in faith. You know, we're so comfortable. Why do you need the spirit of comfort? The reason you need the spirit of comfort is because when you step into faith, you become uncomfortable, and then you got to rely on the spirit to come along and give you comfort and say, you're going to be okay. I was sharing with um, one of our aspiring elders a little bit about this, and Mark Swantowski, uh, Dr. Swantowski, shared with me this story, which I thought was pretty powerful. He said uh, he had a friend who was one, a chief resident in training that he was gotten to be friends with. And this guy was brilliant. He's an MD, PhD. That takes a lot of brain power and a lot of time usually, but he went through some of that pretty quickly. He was a highly skilled orthopedic surgeon. In fact, Mark said he was one of the world's experts on ultra-structure of cartilage. Anybody really have any need to want to know that area? Praise God, someone does. He shared with me that in his younger years, this man, John, was a skeptic and agnostic, and yet Mark had opportunities to share with him in those younger years. And he says as he watched his life, and he saw him growing into his middle age years. He began to see that there was a softening in his heart, and he, he actually was beginning to question and actually was a bit of a seeker. And then at some point, he, he developed what would be these headaches, and they were severe and unremitting. And so he went in, and, and advanced imaging showed that he had a brain tumor. And Mark said the most amazing thing. He said, you know, because you know, he hadn't had much contact with him around that time, he said, but a neighbor lady during that time, a widower, brought him over a loaf of bread that she had baked. Just a neighbor lady, didn't know him very well, knew he was in crisis, baked a loaf of bread. He accepted bread, ate the bread, it was good. And he began to wonder, this brain, really intelligent guy, began to wonder what would prompt someone, a relative stranger, to do that. I mean, she wasn't wearing buttons. She wasn't going around, you know, with uh, Jesus stickers on her back bumper, right? Whether she did or not, all I know is she did good. And Mark said that he was so touched by that, he sought her out, and through her sharing, she just said, she shared about why she did it, and the fact that Jesus loves her, and about that relationship, but she said, you know, I am maybe not as gifted to be able to explain some of this stuff. I mean, how would you like to be in front of an MD, PhD, and you're going to, and she said, but you know, if I go to a church where they're really welcoming, and, and you might want to come, and he did, and he he felt welcome and supported and he prayed for and eventually opened his heart to Christ he ended up having a surgery and then after a brief hiatus that tumor came back aggressively and he just, Mark told me, passed away a few weeks ago Mark said his last conversation with him prior to his second surgery which he um, never really recovered from, he said reflected the confidence of a secure believer in his fate and of a Savior who has loved him. All because a neighbor lady, a widow, baked a loaf of bread. Someone decided to be intentionally aware and then just said, God, what do you want me to do? And he goes, you're a pretty good baker of bread. Break some bread, brought it over to him. And then... He began to wonder and said, what would you cause you to do this? And she just said, well, Jesus, but I will bring you to some other people. And here's the third point. I will intentionally connect you. I will intentionally make connections. I will link up existing relationships with people that don't know Christ with my network of believers and friends. It's just the way it works. Folks, We're called to partner with other believers. This is a team sport. Maybe you don't want to call it a sport, but anyway. Each of us have gifts that can impact someone else. John 1, verses 40 through 46 make this point. Andrew Simon, Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. And the first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon, and he told him, and he brought him to Jesus. The, you go on a few verses later. The next day Jesus decidedly for Galilee, finding Philip. He said, Philip, follow me. And Philip, like Andrew and Peter, who's from this town of Bethsaida, Philip finds Nathanael and says, We found this one that Moses wrote about. He's Jesus of Nazareth. And, and, and Nathanael goes, Nazareth, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And listen to what he says. Well, just come and see for yourself. It's a pretty, it's just kind of the stuff that anybody can do. I remember an opportunity I had that really was significant in my life just a few years ago. Um, I've been leading, I felt led to bring together some of these young men in our church to just do some, kind of lean into their lives and, 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 and just live life as a follower of Jesus with them on, on Monday morning. So I started to meet with them, and after about a year and a half or so, we were meeting together. One of the guys said, you know it would really be kind of neat if we didn't just meet together, but maybe we should do something together. We said, okay, fine, and you, you arrange it. So it was around Christmas, and right before the Christmas holidays, we... We, um, we went and played whirly ball together. Anybody, you know, we've shared this a little bit in, in our church, this story, but we go to play whirly ball, and, and there's eight of us, and so we're all going to meet to play whirly ball. Well, one of the guys is late on his flight, so there's an open spot. We need to fill it, so one of the guys calls his younger brother. His younger brother comes, and he sits, in the open spot is next to me, and I'm thinking, how can I get one of these other guys, because it will be more important to sit next to him. He sits next to me. We engage in conversation and it's pretty good. I'm thinking, oh, I wish it would have been. The next week, during the week, I get an email from him and he goes, I have been watching what's happened in my brother's life and I'm not that age and stage but would you ever consider getting a group of guys about my age group together? And I'm just thinking, oh, I'm so busy. Man, Lord, I don't know. And I, I prayed about it. I had this just impression on my heart that said, Kevin, do this. And with one guy... We now have had like 8 to 12 different guys on Tuesday mornings that have come together, some who have placed faith in Christ, some who are growing in Christ, because they just said to some of their buddies, hey, guess what, we're just talking about Jesus, and they come together and they do that. And we do it as a team. One of the desires I have is, and I'd love to see, is for us to have those kind of linkages where we can invite people to, whether it be in a small group, it happens in men's ministry, women's ministries, all different kind of places. Um, I'm going to share this with you because I think I don't think this is a coincidence I got this this week but um, let me ask you this question what would you do if your Muslim neighbor and there's a lot of them now these days a lot of them in Plymouth area if your Muslim neighbor invited you and your other neighbors to their house for a barbecue dinner would you go? yeah, you're all shaking your head, yeah well I got this this week Hello, my name is Sana Ali, and I'm a part of the Islamic Resource Group at the Northwest Islamic Community Center here in Plymouth, and we're hosting a Get to Know Your Muslim Neighbor open house and free barbecue event on Saturday, May 30th from 11 to 2. We would like to cordially invite your congregation to attend our open house event. Guests will enjoy a free barbecue and a chance to get to know their fellow Plymouth and Maple Grove neighbors. I personally think Jesus would jump at that chance. I sometimes wonder if Jesus wasn't saying, you know, let's see if you guys really mean this. It doesn't mean that we agree with everything that we're placed in context with of these people. What it means is that we're the message. We just show up and we, if we are convinced that we have the God of all life within us, we can go, as he said, anywhere with the love and power of God. So. Oh, I'm just going to close in this illustration. I get together with um, a group of guys, college friends, and my wife says it's like junior I, un- uninhibited, and it is a bit like that. But we just have a blast. We do it once a year, and one guy's a pastor in Philadelphia. I'm in the Midwest. There's another guy who's a pastor in California. In fact, I've had him speak here, John Ortberg, and I'm going to share about that in just a second. But John's there, and then we have another guy who's a philosophy department head at Westmont and another guy who's a medical doctor in Atlanta. And we get together, and it's always fun. One of the conversations came up this year, and and John was sharing some of the study that he had been doing when he was on a study break, and he said, I was just trying to understand what drew people to Jesus and to the early church. They just came. Now, miracles help. But I don't think it was just miracles. I think there was something going on in the culture of what they created there. And John said the three things that just stood out to him, that seemed to invite people into his presence, were these three things, which I'd love to see in our church. Everyone's welcome. That's grace. Nobody's perfect. We're sinners. And and we need to know the truth. And the last is, anything's possible. And he said, you know, I began to think about that. And he said, you know, I think communities that begin to create this kind of everyone's welcome and, and, and nobody's perfect and anything's possible sense begins to draw people to Jesus. Now, so we think of Mother's Day. And, and so here, here's, here's the bottom line. Mother's Day... What I'm asking you to do is no different than what you do today on Mother's Day. Usually, a good thing happens, guys, right, if you are aware it's Mother's Day, right? It just starts with awareness. You're intentionally aware. And thank God I got two daughters because when anniversaries, anything come up, man, I'm so glad God gave me daughters. You're intentionally aware. And then you know what's the next thing you do? You intentionally do something good, you hope, right? And then you just link up other relationships You bring other people around and you celebrate this. That's Mother's Day. That's what we're doing today. Starting tomorrow is Other's Day. And Other's Day means you are aware and you love them, you do good. And you intentionally begin to say, God, how might I be able to invite this person into another relationship
1: where they might come to know you?